how do you maintain, you know, providing that support and that positivity also? First of all, I don't, I don't know if I'm doing a, a good job of it. So I, I think right away I can say that, um, you know, for all those who are struggling as parents to be, to be present, I think that's an understandable thing, something I definitely can relate to. Um, you know, sometimes the stressors of managing the yeshiva, managing my own emotions, um, doesn't allow me to be the best parent that I would want to be. And I think it's okay for people to give themselves permission to understand that we're not going to do this perfectly. Um, so there are definitely times where I feel like I've got nothing left in the tank, uh, dealing with everything in my professional life and then coming home and trying to be the best parent that I can be for the kids is it's not always easy and I don't always do it well. Um, I think uh, what Rabbi Olshan said is is 100% true. We have a tremendous capacity as a, as a people to somehow find laughter in in very difficult situations. Welcome back to the Jews Next Door. As a nation, we're going through a very challenging time. Our homeland, Eretz Israel, Israel is at war. And so many lives have already been lost and the war and the tension seems to only continue to be rising. So many people have been searching for meaning and ways that they can help during this time. And so many parents have been reaching out to us at Gen Off as to how they can parent during this time. And that, that component of parenting, which is something that already takes tremendous energy, emotions, mindfulness is, is so much more challenging. And for today's episode, we, we will have the opportunity to hear from three amazing Rabbanim educators who are parenting in Israel, in Israel during this situation. We are joined by Rev. Mordechai Berg, whose name you probably recognize as one of our amazing writers on Gen Alf and is the Manal of Yeshiva Maseret. Rev. Rev. Michael Oshin, who is the educational director of Yeshiva Torah Shraga. Rev. Natana Leibowitz, who, who was at Leva Torah for many, many years as the Manal Ruhani and is now living the life learning in, in the mornings and a Revi at Torah Shraga in the afternoons. Each, each of these amazing Rabbanim themselves made Aliyah, have raised and continue to raise a family in, in Israel and are, are leaders of our door and they are parenting the next door during, during this war, during this situation. And uh, so we're going to be talking today about how, how, how they are parenting during the situation and how they continue to support and guide their children during such a difficult time. So thank you so much to each of you during your, during your days for taking the time to, to talk to us. And especially during a, a, a highly tense time in Israel, to uh, to really take time out to to talk about this. Thank you very much for including us. So I guess we'll just start. Tell us a little bit about yourselves in terms of your family structure. Like first things first, you know how how many children do you have? What are your children's ages? Um, you know, take us to where where you live, just to give us a little bit of a sense of you know where each of you are holding. I guess maybe let's start with uh, Revolution. Okay. Um, again, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, uh, I, I lived together with my wife uh, here in Eretz Israel since 1991. Um, we have, we have seven children. Uh, we have three boys and then four girls. Our three boys are currently serving in, in the army. They were all three of them called up on that Shabbat. <clears throat> uh, two of them are in the north, one of them in the south. And we have four girls after that. Uh, Oldest girl, my oldest son is 29. Um, 20, we have a 27-year-old and a 25-year-old. And then we have four daughters, the oldest being 23, the youngest is 15. 
Okay. And we you live in Beit Shemesh? Yeah. We live in Beit Shemesh. You may hear, hear Beit Shemesh uh, a little bit here. Um, and uh, yeah, Baruch Hashem. Um, it is a challenging time, but uh, we're very proud of, of our own family and, and all of our students who are, are here during this time. Okay. Rev, uh, Rev Leibowitz. Uh, thank you very much. It's uh, great to see Rabbi Manchel and uh, uh, not surprising that you're involved in, in such great things for for the Jewish community at large. Uh, we have I've been living in Eretz Israel since uh, 1997, Baruch Hashem, uh, with my wife since, uh, since 2000. Uh, we uh, we are blessed behind her with uh, with ten children. Uh, our oldest is is 22, um, and our youngest is is three. Uh, we uh, uh, we do not. We 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 have uh, we have people. Uh, our our boys are also uh, serving uh, serving Klal Yisrael and also uh, fighting, uh, just not in uh, not in the north and not in the south. Uh, they're doing so from uh, uh, from the base medrash, and uh, we have uh, much gratitude to Rabbi Olshin and uh, and his children and to all those who are who are protecting us and allowing us to be here. Uh, we live in uh, we live in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Uh, we've been in Ramat Beit Shemesh since uh, two thousand and one. Hmm. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. I love that. I love, I love how you put that. We, as, uh, my, my, my rabbi, my shul, as we, during the situation, he said, there's, there's two front lines, you know, there's, there, we're all on the same front lines, just in a very different way. You know, we, there's the, there's the physical and then there's the spiritual. And we, we, we have to do our part in America to, to learn because we can't be there physically, but you know, there's that, that's on the front lines too, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. Rabbi Berg. I, uh, moved to Eric's Israel in 2008. I feel like the, uh, it's unusual for me these days to feel like the youngest man in the room, so I appreciate Rabbi Leibowitz and Rabbi Olshin making me feel young again. Um, Kleine Har, I have six children, five daughters and a son. My oldest is 20, and then all girls down until my six-year-old son. And uh, I also want to express my Akar Satov to Rabbi Olshin and his children and all the Chayalim for everything that they're doing. Uh, my daughters are spending a lot of time in the kitchen, sending as many baked goods as they can to the Chayalim. So, Rabbi Leibowitz, your children are serving from the base medrash. Rabbi Olshin, your children are serving on the front lines. My daughters are Baruch Hashem in the kitchen, trying to make sure that these soldiers are well fed. And we live in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Very privileged to be here in Eretz Yisrael. So, of course, of course, to you and your daughters as well. I always have the image of like a soldier running out to battle, and he's like, "I shouldn't have had that last brownie." There's so much food being made for all these soldiers right now. There was that image that was going around of like, like a, a soldier that was like, had a huge bag and it's like, thanks for sending everything. But like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, how it's, it's interesting, as you were saying, each of the ages of your children, it's clear that we have some very different ages because like, Ocean, your children are, you know, clearly on the, on the older front and, you know, it's uh, probably handling in a very different way. You know, I was... I, I'm now in a, in a school of a first or eighth grade school. So like we're dealing with it in, in younger children, but I'm speaking to my, my old students who were, cause I was in high school the years before and they're dealing with it in a very, very different way. So it's, it's just, it's probably each of your children are probably handling it in, in such a different way. So I'm curious, you know, how, what have you seen so far in terms of, you know, like, you know, like Rabbi Lewitz, I know you mentioned you have a, you have a three-year-old and uh, or you, you have, I think you said you have a, a six-year-old as the youngest, right? Is, am I getting that correct? And, and then revolution, your children are a little older. So like, how would you say you are seeing it so far that the, the current war is affecting your children? My children, and I don't think they're unique. Um, the, the saying, uh, is that ain't by the shame. 
there is no one in this in this country that has not been affected in the sense that we know somebody that that has you know that that was killed um injured or or missing um uh my children who ha- my children that are home my four girls um have been unfortunately going to many funerals visiting uh, many shiva homes people that they knew friends of theirs my daughter lost two close friends um who were you know at that uh on the kibbutz on that party on on that shabbat um and we also i mean uh we've been uh, i've been to five levayot i don't want to sound uh, so so morbid but uh you know that that we've been dealing the thing that we've been dealing with the most is really is, is that managing loss and mourning um of of friends of, of people that we know people we're close to um at the same time being inspired by just the amazing acts of 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 courage um we we're, we've been we've, we've revealed that we're living amongst angels the stories that have been coming out i'm sure Rabbi Menchel and and the rest of my colleagues here have, have heard some of these stories of just unbelievable acts of of courage of conviction of willing to give their life for Am Yisrael and and that's with the morning we're also inspired inspired by by these acts and and which gives us strength like it, you know on our level whatever we're doing you know we 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 uh we feel like you know I could get through this if uh if we have people amongst us that are willing to do what they did to save Am Yisrael so I think uh you know managing that with the age of my kids my my youngest daughter um her classmate lost her brother um very very tragically rabbi tamir granotas rosh shiva in um in tel aviv his son was killed uh, just this sunday it wasn't in that that attack he was killed in the north and so she has a classmate she went to you know went to levaya went to shiva you know call and for 15 year old it's a lot um and so but but also hearing hearing the the uh, amazing people that they were um gives us um strength to go through this wow wow thank you for sharing um really with how how have your children been uh dealing with this and affected by it my my son-in-law and daughter moved in with us for about a week after the war broke out i think it was just more comfortable for them to be with family you know we didn't know uh how many sirens rocket attacks there would be um in general i think each child is sort of managing in their own unique way um some are getting more involved in you know cooking and babysitting for kids from down south that have been displaced here in uh, beit shemesh um some are more talkative some are less talkative uh, when the rocket attack first started so we were in yeshiva for some chastora and i woke up all the kids and said okay we have to go to the miklat we have to go to the bomb shelter and my 6-year-old son woke up and he he said i don't even mind if they're going to fight with us but why do they have to fight with us so early in the morning i really wanted to sleep and sort of like um this like very sweet naivete of like not really appreciating what's happening just like i didn't really want to get up because it was a late night the night before um i think bedarach klal uh the kids the older kids for sure are used to this uh, they grew up you know, in Tsuketan, uh, so this is not their first rodeo when they were in camp um, years ago in Tsuketan, in so they still went to camp, they lived life, you know, as they would normally, 
And uh, I remember one day they came home from camp and I asked them, how was camp? And they said, good, Asylum went off and we were in the park. So we all just went onto the park bench and covered our heads, which is the protocol of what they're supposed to do in such a situation. So for them, they're used to this. Um, you know, from, from my house in Ramat Beit Shemesh, I mean, not everybody's having the same experience, but from my house in Beit Shemesh, we can hear the booms of the Iron Dome um, taking down rocket attacks from Gaza. And so that's like, a, like, depending on the night, you could hear, you know, 80, 100, 120 booms in any given night. So you know, some sleep better, some sleep worse. And uh, everyone's just doing their best to manage. My oldest was in seminary in Ofakim, which is about a 15-minute drive from Gaza. And that's actually where one of the hostage situations uh, played out, that story of the woman who... Um, treated these terrorists very nicely and all the while was, you know, texting with the police so that she could be rescued. Uh, that happened five minutes from my daughter's seminary. Um, so she doesn't really have a seminary to go back to right now because the fighting is happening there. Um, others are in school, in and out of school, half-day school, so trying to adjust on that level. But um, we've been through this before. Certainly the older ones have been through this before and the younger ones are, you know, sometimes they talk, sometimes they don't. And we do our best to provide as much information you know, and given, giving them the context of what's going on as much as possible. But every kid is dealing with it uniquely. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Really what? Okay. Very, very well said, Rabbi Berg. I think uh, in our home also, uh, each kid is uh, is dealing with it uh, uniquely. Um, and, and fascinating for, for my wife and I uh, that each child is also presenting uh, their own uh, parenting challenges, as uh, you know, we, we, as I said, we run a, a wide range of ages. Uh, so the questions and um, and and their ability to adapt uh, is, is different for all of them. So Darko, we're trying to handle, uh, we're trying to handle each one, uh, each one specifically. Um, I, I would I would say as as often happens. Whenever a traumatic situation uh, sets up, and I would be remiss to, uh, to not mention my wife here, not just because she might listen to this one day and uh, be like, wait a second, what were you talking about? Uh, but, uh, but genuinely speaking, uh, I think that everything starts uh, with the clea of safety. Uh, that in general, um, and I, I, really, I really credit Aliza, my wife, with this, uh, that uh, no matter what she's involved in, but she, I, I think she's really created an environment in the home uh, that what's go that 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 no matter what's happening, uh, whether it's been a previous incident, whether it's this incident, and whether it's nothing to do with Arabs, and it's just daily life, uh, that the home is uh, is a safe place to be, and, uh, and mom and dad are, are are there supporting you no matter what. So, uh, so that if that's a uh, if, if that's the general environment in the home, so it it you know, I, I I didn't even realize the uh, how amazing of a mother she was until something like this happens and you. And, Say, well, now's not the time to start being a good parent. Thank God, my wife was an excellent parent um, leading up to uh, leading up to this. So, uh, just creating an environment of safety for our children. So, for example, uh, when the old, when the siren went off on on Simchat morning, uh, so one of our children, one of our younger ones, is taking a little bit harder than the other ones. A little bit afraid for the subsequent days to, to go outside, uh, but. Uh, that was with already within the backdrop that I trust mom and dad that they're going to take me outside and they're going to tell me that it's going to, that it's going to be safe that uh, um, that uh, we we had that uh, uh, that they could rely they could rely on that and uh, for that particular child that was afraid 
uh, for Shabbos Sunday to go outside. We're able to walk them outside and, and to point out the Iron Dome and to, to be able to say, uh, look, even though we're hearing noise, but we're not seeing anything falling and, and all the homes in the neighborhood are still are still standing. And uh, I say this with a heavy heart just because we didn't, we, we not everybody in the country had this, but uh, when they heard stories about terrorists in the neighborhoods, uh, so we were able to walk out into the street and say, like, okay, but Liyayin Hara Beit Shemesh is not in that uh, in that conversation. Hashem should help us stay that way. Um, and, and seeing it and living it, uh, so that, that helped us uh, get that particular child through uh, through that anxiety. But for some of our older boys, and, uh, you know, you, uh, you gave me credit for saying this, but it's really on the forefront of my mind, the point about the base measures being where their job is, uh, we also run a re- run a range of feelings about how they're handling. Um, we, we have we have a son who takes his job really seriously. He refers to himself often as I'm being called up by my commanding officer, and I have to be on time to theater, and I have to I have to be a minion, and I have to learn. Um, and uh, and that is a message that we're trying to to uh, transmit to the rest of our children, and to certainly to the students, and, and and to people in America also. It's not apologetic if we believe in this system, if we believe in the power of tefillah. Mm-hmm. If we believe in the power of Talmud Torah, we believe in the power of mitzvahs, uh, so then this is this is critical in the uh, in the fight as well. Um, and we have uh, we have other teenagers uh, that um, um, I, I guess let me just sidebar for a second. Uh, my wife and I have been trying to be a little bit careful about what we're allowing our children to see on video, um, and uh, I personally, for myself, think video is important because when we are davening, uh, if we have a visual of what we're davening for. Uh, so what our eyes are able to see are just so much more powerful than the stories that we hear. Uh, so for some of our teenagers sure. that haven't seen some of these videos and they haven't been to the front lines, they don't realize how serious it is. Uh, so some of them are having a little bit more of a challenge uh, to um, to take their role, uh, uh, to know that their role is different now in Yeshiva uh, than it was uh, you know, before, uh, before Rosh Hashanah, before Sukkot. Uh, so we're trying to uh, encourage them. It was a very... Uh, a very sensitive time. To, to, uh, we can't we can't tell teenagers what exactly uh, they have to do, uh, but to try to encourage them as best as we can, without guilt, uh, without uh, uh, without expressing like, do you know that uh, Rabbi Olson's kids are on the front line, so you should get out of bed and you can't go to the nine thirty minion uh, or, or whatever it might be, without guilt, and you know, but just try to empower them uh, that um, that just because we don't see with our eyes that there's something going on, uh, we have to understand. Uh, the severity of the situation and what we can do for uh, for Kleisler. So there's, uh, I don't want to take up too much time. Um, uh, it took a long time, but uh, uh, but there's a large mix. Uh, there's a lot of reactions, and uh, we we were trying to handle each one according to their own nature. And I'm immensely thankful uh, that my wife was able to set the environment in the house uh, that uh, that they could have a safe feeling. Wow. wow, thank you, thank you for all for sharing. I'm curious in terms of the way that. That when the actual war broke out, you know, both Rabbi Berger and Rabbi Lewis, you were mentioning like how it happened. And it's probably very different for you, Rabbi Olshan, because in terms of like how you, how you either found out or maybe you saw your children needing to go. And I, I don't know, maybe you could share with that, but the, I'm, I'm curious, like, did you have to tell your children about it or like they like saw it going on therefore you didn't need to help them process it? Or, or even, even if you, even if you didn't have to tell them about it, how did you help them process what's going on? And it's, it's obviously changes based off of the age that we're, dealing with but you know so i'm curious maybe we'll start with uh lewis just because you have like the youngest child you're like how did you how did you help them to process that 
Well, again, there, we, we had audio help because uh, the sirens were going off and the booms uh, and the booms were happening. Uh, so uh, once once they were going off, meaning like how did you what did you like say to them to like is meaning you 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 want them to understand what's going on. You also don't want it to be, I guess, too alarming, too alarmist, especially for a three year old. Um, I myself have have a have a three year old. Like I, I can like relate to that age, even though I can't I, I can't even for a second fathom being there and, and relating to that. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how, how do you help them just say, okay, there are booms going on. It's this, or, you know, what, 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 t- how does, what does it t- take us through that a little bit? Uh, so I, I happen to have been in Shul. Uh, we were finished the Avenue when the first siren uh, went off. Hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I guess, I guess our kids wake up later than uh, the Rabbi Berg's children. Uh, so they were, uh, they were already, uh, uh, they were, they were already rearing to go. Uh, it was, uh, it was the right bolt six thirty. Uh, so, uh, so, so they, they, they almost had a full day in already. I, I wasn't home exactly when the, uh, when the first siren went off. So I, I can't uh, share about the initial idea, but, um, you know, but we, we explained very simply that there, there are, uh, there are people that, um, uh, that don't share the same view as us and, uh, and they're, uh, uh they're, uh, I forgot exactly. We just say the word rocket, but, uh, or, or say the word trying to harm us, uh, but, uh, put a stress on the fact that, um, as you see with your eyes, that nothing's nothing's happening here, so we're safe. And uh, and 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 what we believe in when we say Shema before we go to sleep at night, and what we believe in that Hashem is always protecting us. So we get to see now that Hashem is uh, is protecting us. And then at the same time, because uh, we had this responsibility um, at the time when the first siren went off, we had no idea about the magnitude of what we were talking about. Uh, but either way, we knew uh, we, we predicted. Uh, that if we were getting sirens in Beit Shemesh, so that we could bet that the South was probably getting uh, was probably getting uh, more heavily rained on, uh, so we said Shiramalos and Tehillim for those uh, for those who are in the South. Uh, then at some point in the morning, uh, however this happens, uh, there's always that guy in Shul that uh, that started talking about uh, terrorists in settlements, and uh, the reaction was a little bit like the first time uh, that I heard that there was an airplane that flew into the Twin Towers. Uh, or, you know, or any of the more unbelievable phenomenon that we've been through. And your first reaction is like, okay, whatever. Like, why are people, uh, why are people being dramatic? Uh, so, you know, that, that aspect of it, we didn't have to explain because we just couldn't believe, uh, that, uh, that such a thing would, uh, you know, would happen. Um, and again, trying to, uh, uh, trying to support them through the notion of there are people that are, uh, that are trying to put us in harm's way. Uh, but between, uh, between those, uh, the heroes, uh, the angels, as Rabbi Olshin called them, that are uh, that are on the front lines protecting us, uh, and and definitely from Hakadosh Baruch Hu through our tefillah. Uh, so, uh, uh, so we we're, we're going to get through this the same way that we got through uh, the other ones, uh, the other ones as well. It happens to be that my three year old's a little bit more fearless. It's the one, the, the one that's above the three year old. That's a little bit, uh, a little bit more tricky. Right. right. Interesting. Interesting. I'm sure that your experience was very different. Um, how did, I'm, I even want to start with yourself. How did you yourself find out about the war and also that your children are going in? How did like t- take us through that experience a little? So we actually, uh, we, we spent uh, Simchat Torah in, uh, in Yushalayim. We live in Beit Shemesh. We Yushalayim. I had a brother who was uh, here in Yushalayim visiting with his family as a son learning in Yeshiva this year. And uh, so we we, pl- we were eating together with them. They um, so we were staying in an apartment in Shalayim, and uh, I actually my whole family all overslept. We were up to like three o'clock in the morning the night before we we woke up to the sirens. 
Um, it was 8.15 when the sirens went off. So we were on the fifth floor in an apartment. We just ran to the stairwell. We didn't go down to the, um, there's a bomb shelter in the building. And, and there was a, whatever, there was a family that it wasn't religious who had their phones and they were just like saying these crazy things like this, this infiltration of terrorists and, and stay road. And, and I'm like, this can't be this. So I actually, I ran to shul after that, after we, whatever, everyone was like, you know, we, we were obviously shocked by the, by the sirens, but like, like the rabbis spoke before, you know, sirens unfortunately aren't new to us. So we thought, okay, the rockets happens. But then when I got to shul, um, and then I was hearing in shul, there were some people who, who were actually, there's a, in that shul that I went to, which I wasn't planning to go to that particular shul, but it was somebody on the phone already with, uh, he's, he's a machat in the army. Um, he's, a a officer of, of a chativa. He's like a high up in the army. He was already on his phone outside. I don't know him. I, I don't, I don't live in that community, but I just, you know, uh, and he was saying like, this is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing that's going, going on right now. Um, eventually my sons came, got to the shul that, that I was in and there was a crazy thing. Like right after that kafot, there was other sirens. Um, it's about 10 something. And the guy comes running in from like running in from the street and he starts screaming and he says, you guys are asleep at the wheel. Do you know there's a war going on and they're calling up everybody. They're calling up. There's, there's a, they're calling up people to the army. So at that point, my, my sons didn't have their phones on them because they're not, they're, you know, they're all out of the army. So they actually went back to the apartment. They got their phones. And before Dobling was out, my, my, my middle son at middle of three, he was already called up. Um, it was actually right after Berchat Kohanim of Musaf. Um, and, uh, whatever, it, you know, you're saying goodbye to your son. My wife was in shul, all my, all my, the whole family's in shul, and everyone gave him a bracha and, and said goodbye, you know, not knowing, you know, where he's headed. And he got into a car when his friends came to pick him up on Shabbat, on Yom Tov, and he went. We, uh, we had lunch with my brother. And then in the middle, right as before lunch is over, my second son, my oldest son was called up. He's married. My middle son is not married. My oldest son is married. Sorry. S seeing. Here's. Watching the scene of, of a, a husband saying goodbye to his wife. Is, is difficult. And we're all watching this. All my kids. Um, and that's, uh, you know, a tragic scene that we hope, you know, uh, never has to be again. And, and, you know, Bezad Hashem will come back safely, but that's a very, very hard scene. And that's, how, that's, uh, that's where, you know, as a father, it's, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, I wish I had, you know, uh, uh, good words to comfort myself and, and, and the rest of my family, but it's just a thing that, that just sticks with you. And then before, uh, the, the Shabbat was, was out. My third son, who was married with two kids, he was called up. Again, the scene repeats itself. Now saying goodbye to his children and his wife. Um, yeah, that, that, those are, th thank God they're all fine. They, they're, they're still on their bases. They're still, uh, you know, waiting for, to go, to go in, whatever they're planning on doing. We're not sure. But uh, Baruch Hashem, they're all fine. And whatever, but it's been, uh, two weeks almost now. Um, and it's, uh, it's not, not something you're prepared for. You, you don't get any training for this. It's something that you just do on the fly. 
Um, but Baruch Hashem, you know, I, and again, like, like Rabbi Leewood said, it's really the, the wives that are the strength of our family. My wife, Shoshana, um, you know, hasn't really slept much a night, but, but she is the, really the, the source of the strength in our, in our home and, and, uh, and it's always being positive. Um, I'm, I'm the more angry at what's going on. And, and sometimes it's hard to, to, you know, to keep that to ourselves and to myself and, not be critical of, of, you know, obviously we all have questions of how this happened and, and, and sometimes even questions to God. We were at, we had our funeral of the Rosh Hashiva and he also had questions. Not, not have to show him that, that, uh, we, it, it, it hurts our faith in, in the master of the world who's running things, but just, just doesn't make sense to us. The, 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 the Hester Panim that was, um, is, is just a hard thing. And hard thing, and when you obviously, if someone loses somebody on top of it, um, it, it makes it hard, and and it doesn't appear to make sense to us. But that's the strength of Jewish people that, despite all the Hester Panim, despite the um, you know what appears to not things not going our way at all, we we still hold strong to our our Amuna and our Bitachon and our Baruch Hu, and that's what the message, the main messages we're trying to give over at these times. And I and I think our our children have really risen to the occasion. Um, they understand that there's a larger picture here. They understand there's another world also. And when you have that perspective, you're able to handle the tragedies that uh, of this world. How do you provide the support and and also try to like keep an upbeat and positivity to your to your life and to your home when you yourself, you know, like you mentioned, like you know, the feelings of anger or the feelings of you know anxious anxiety over it. Like, how do you, you know, especially with your children actually, you know, being, being in there in, in that physical way and that, in the, on the physical front lines, how do you, how do you maintain that? So when it comes to my boys, um, every conversation that we have or WhatsApp is, is always positive. And, you know, especially when you're, when they're there and, and, you know, could be going in in any day, you want to be as positive as possible. Um, and, and, and also as, as strong, I, I'm not really an emotional person, even though, um, I, so, but when it comes to speaking to your kids, like you don't want to show any emotion. And that's what we've been taught actually that we have given a lot of people who are experts in this and, you know, they've shared these, this information that when you speak to your kids who are in the army, just want to show confidence and, and strength and, and not to get emotional to the point where, um, I had this debate with my, with my wife, like, you know, should we go down to the, or, or go to, to visit them in the bases, which my wife wants to do, which my daughter-in-law went with her, with her two daughters. And, and I actually, I felt it wasn't the right thing because of the emotions that it would bring up and, and, and the tears that would flow. And, and honestly, we want our soldiers to be as strong and, and it's, it's, it's a Rambam. We try to, try to rid those thoughts of our, our own personal families when, when you're fighting a war and that's, that's a very hard balance because only one, you want to see your son, you want to, you want to give him a hug and you want to, but at the same time, you don't, you don't want him to, to lose that fortitude of, you know, he has, he has to be filled with a, a certain strength in order to fight our enemies. Um, so that's, that's a big, that's a very difficult, um, you know, balance to try to strike in terms of, you know, wanting to be there for your kid, but at the same time, wanting them to be able to focus on what they need to focus on in terms of our daughters that are home. So, um, you know, laughter, um, trying to make light 
and, and trying to even sometimes dark humor and trying to find ways to laugh. Um, th that really helps a lot in, in our home. Um, and, you know, and be able to sometimes give them a chance also to express words of, of frustration and anger. Um, and, and, because they need to be able to do that as well. But try to, try to be positive as much as we can and reminding myself as well to try to be positive and encouraging. And even though, uh, you know, the things that could be frustrated in terms of the government and how things are being run and we're still waiting, we're still waiting to go and we're still waiting to react properly. Um, but to, um, to, to knowing that Hakadosh Baruch is running the world at the end of the day, we have to remind ourselves it's not our government, it's not, not anyone else. Hakadosh Baruch is running the world, and at the right time, in the right place, we're going to uh, celebrate uh, a victory with with Mashiach. Hashem. Amen. 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 Rev Berg, I'm curious. You know, also you have a, a very wide range of, uh, of of you know angels of children. How do you how do you maintain you know providing that support and that positivity also? First of all, I don't, I don't know if I'm doing a, a good job of it. So I, I think right away I can say that, um, you know, for all those who are struggling as parents to be, to be present, I think that's an understandable thing, something I definitely can relate to. Um, you know, sometimes the stressors of managing the yeshiva, managing my own emotions, um, doesn't allow me to be the best parent that I would want to be. And I think it's okay for people to give themselves permission to understand that we're not going to do this perfectly. Um, so there are definitely times where I feel like I've got nothing left in the tank, uh, dealing with everything in my professional life and then coming home and trying to be the best parent that I can be for the kids is it's not always easy and I don't always do it well. Um, I think uh, what Rabbi Olshan said is, is 100% true. We have a tremendous capacity as a, as a people to somehow find laughter in, in very difficult situations. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm really more just trying to take the journey along with my family rather than try to guide us in any particular way. And so, for example, um, a lot of my daughters are saying to Hillam, and that's something that they find great comfort in. I have one daughter who doesn't find great comfort in saying to Hillam. She's a much more uh, energetic type of child, and for her to sit on the couch and say to Hillam at length is not her way. And she expressed to me just the other day that she feels guilty about that, and that's why she's spending so much time doing as much chesed as she can for the chayalim. Um, and I just tried to normalize that for her and say to her that it's understandable, given who she is, that this is not going to be necessarily the place where she finds her place in this war and that it's okay for her to find her place. Um, for the younger kids who are going to school, and it happens to be that both of my kids go to school on the block, um, so they're used to walking themselves to school. Um, it's going with them to school in the morning, holding their hands. It's going through the protocols and saying, in case we hear a siren, this is what happens. Um, and they've had that already. They've had a situation where they were at someone's house. We didn't realize, um, but the adult had left the house. So the oldest child in the house was 14 years old. Um, and there was a siren and they were okay. They went into the mama, they went into the safe room. Um, and my wife and I had to discuss as parents, you know, how do we ensure that, that situation doesn't happen again? Um, but they go to their chugim, to their after-school activities, and my daughter, who's nine, is in a gymnastics chug, and she was expressing to us uh, just this morning how 
she feels so lucky that the gymnastics chug is held in a ma'amad, in a safe room, so that in case there's an azaka, they don't even need to go anywhere and they can have the gymnastic chug as they always would. And so it's sort of interesting to, to watch how everyone's adapting. Um, my daughter, who's in SEM, her life has kind of been put on pause. She doesn't know exactly what's next for her. I think a lot of the girls in her age group are struggling with that. They had a structure and that structure was taken away from them. So allowing her to be frustrated about her situation and also finding creative solutions as to what she can do in order to be productive in these times. Um, and then, of course, and this is one of the most beautiful things that's happening in Klal Yisrael right now, is there's a level of achdus that I've never seen before in my lifetime. I was on the phone yesterday with one of the Rashi Yeshiva from YU, and he said to me that he's never seen achdus like this since 1967. Um, I just can't describe to you what it's like on the ground here. I don't know what it's like on the ground in America, though we certainly appreciate all the sentiments coming out of America. But uh, we're seeing a country that just a couple of weeks ago was exceptionally divided um, on all sorts of issues. You know, the overpasses on the highway had all sorts of signs about democratic reform, pro-democratic reform, anti-democratic reform. Today, the signs on the overpasses on the highway are very different. You know, it says, Am Yisrael Echad, and will be Echad, you know, like it, these really beautiful signs. Um, there's no more Chilonim, Charedim, Datilumim, Mizrachnikim. Everyone's lost any sense of external community. There's a deep sense of inner unity that I think is just absolutely precious to see. Um, it's something that's really soul-stirring for me. I, I, I can only hope that we hold on to this for a very, very long time, perhaps forever. And, and really just trying to, to give that over to my children to say, look at how Claudius responds to crisis. Uh, we've managed to find each other in the darkness, and what are we going to do to find each other in the darkness? Uh, somebody I know witnessed a car accident, and it was a man who comes from a more right-wing community and uh, a man who comes from a more left-wing community. The man who comes from the more left-wing community was a little bit younger, and uh, he was his fault that there was an accident. He got out of the car and he starts apologizing profusely and he says, my head is just not with me. I was literally, I'm coming from a community down south and the this more right-wing person just stopped talking, gave him the biggest hug and they were sitting there crying on the side of the road. Um, and these types of stories are, are my simbacholion. Every single day we're seeing more and more expressions of this this brotherhood that is the Jewish nation. And so... For us, I think the biggest coping mechanism has been how can we participate in this um, in this really beautiful new reality that we're all living in. I, I can't tell you. I want to. I want to say this. I wasn't invited to say this, but I want to say this. It, it's it's impossible for me to listen to Rabbi Olshin speak. It's impossible. I'm, I'm, I, we saw it ourselves. We saw you know Rebbeim from Mivasera leaving their families, going out to fight. The sacrifice that people are making for our country is so deeply moving. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't appreciate each other right now. It's like this most, I don't, there's no words to describe what's happening on the ground here. I think years from now, it'll be the type of thing I tell my grandchildren about. Yeah, I remember in, you know, 2023, Tafshin Pei when all of Kalisrael came together in unparalleled ways. Wow. 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 Is, is, would you say that, um, Besides for the, you know, like the, 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 the scared and, you know, in terms of guiding the different things that they're doing as, as to react to this, are there other 
challenges that are coming up right now that are unique parenting challenges or uh, that any of you are dealing with or not not necessarily? We had, uh, I think maybe one of the, one of the other I may have mentioned before, uh, until today, until yesterday, the kids were out of school. Uh, so, um, you know, first you have the craziness of, uh, of hearing sirens and booms and trying to, uh, uh, trying to guide children through, uh, through a war, uh, and through the emotions as the other about described of, of what's going on with their people. Um, but then there also, there are a lot of hours, uh, especially I'm, I'm sure that, uh, the other Rabbi here also share this as we have responsibilities to the yeshiva. Um, uh, there are a lot of hours that, uh, uh, that the, the children have to be occupied because even even in the best of circumstances, uh, even if there's some even even if pretending that there's some kind of healthy way uh, that uh, they could manage through the war, uh, but they're still at the end of the day, especially the younger ones, they're uh, they're still children, um, and uh, uh, you know th- there are certain values that uh, that we have in the home, uh, particularly with uh, what you know when it comes to uh, to watching. Uh, not, not not even videos of the war, but just as uh, just as a pastime or as uh, as entertainment, just to to keep their moods up, uh, you know, and to try to balance that with uh, with what happens in the home uh, under normal standards. Uh, so that's that's been a challenge. Uh, inconsistency, as we all know, inconsistency is uh, uh, is, is the biggest danger uh, to how our children are growing up. Uh, you know, so uh, so to be able to um, I don't want to use the word spin, uh, because I think one of the, one of the, uh, the eager way to get through this is always just be honest with the children about what's happening. Um, honest with, uh, you know, don't sugarcoat, uh, necessarily what's happening with the war presented in a way that's appropriate for younger children, but don't sugarcoat it. Uh, don't sugarcoat what's happening with Hashem. Don't sugarcoat what's happening with your parents. Uh, and don't sugarcoat about how we're handling our home and, and the, uh, and the values and the standards that we, that we live according to, even though, uh, they're getting stretched a little bit as uh, as we have to juggle the various responsibilities. Sure. Anyone else have specific things, yeah, well, or if not, what we took? Okay. <laughs> one thing I'm noticing is, um, you know, there's this phrase of Misha Ma'amin Lo Mefached, and getting the question from Tamidim, from Tamidot, from my own children: If I am afraid, is that a chisarn in my amuna? And teaching them that having amuna means um, allowing yourself to have the inner strength to feel all of the various feelings that come up and to not try to suppress whatever it is that you're feeling and to allow those things to come up and then to deal with those feelings and in the face, let's say, of fear, finding courage. And you know, when, when we say, it doesn't mean that there's no fear. It means that we found an inner strength of Emuna to confront that fear and that our amuna is greater than our fear, and that there's only courage when there's fear. So the idea that people are like, you know, I have to be strong, and therefore I can't be afraid, uh, just teaching the, the kids here that it's okay to be afraid, and there's strength in being afraid, and then confronting that fear with courage. Totally. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I'm, I'm curious, have, have any of you, I know, you mentioned this before, that, um, you know, there's, there's feelings of, you know, some theological questions um, that, that can come up at this time. I'm curious, you know, are you, how, how are, are any of you dealing with theological questions from your children or, 
or maybe from tell me them as well or tell me tell me those um and how how are you dealing with that during this time i've only gotten the question like once or twice actually which is interesting um, i didn't get it from my own kids but uh i did get it i was in seminary this past week for shabbos um i think two or three girls expressed something like that so in general i'm not getting the question um but when i did get the question hmm. um you know, I responded with the, I think, what's the classic response, which is Kaylee, uh, Kaylee, Lama Azavtani. So we don't say Lama, Ella, Lama. You know, so if we're in a situation, like Rabbi Olshan said, of unparalleled Hester Panim, now the question is how we're going to choose to respond. And in general, I don't think there's any great questions to why God does anything. There's a level of hubris that it would take for any rabbi to, to try to answer that question. When we see that, let's say, for example, when Chazal give us reasons for things, I think that was more the growth-oriented opportunities that they chose to engage those moments of Hesterpanim rather than trying to understand why anything in this world happens. I, I remember when the Rebbe that I was learning Smicha under, his mother passed away, and uh, some fake Makobel came to pay a shivakal, and he, asked, he, said to, he said to this Rebbe of mine, he said, um, do you want me to tell you why your mother passed away? And he said, if you can tell me why one blade of grass grows, then you can tell me why my mother passed away. I think for us to pretend why we know, you know, this ridiculous, insane tragedy happened, I think it's not for anyone to say anything like that. But it is an amazing opportunity for us to teach our children um, that we respond with strength to tragedy. And again, just to highlight all of the strength that's happening in the community right now is beyond anything I've ever seen. We're responding in ways that I never thought possible. I think, uh, like Jelly Berg is saying, the, the questions have come up. Um, I, I also try um, to sort of preempt them. We, we try to preempt them by, by addressing some of the, some of these issues. Again, not, we cannot explain why these happened, um, but we, we do talk about a, the, a certain level of comfort um, Rabbi Lubitz and I both do a lot of uh, Holocaust education. We, we're, we're in Poland often uh, taking groups. And unfortunately, a lot of the stories uh, that we share there, uh, you know, have, uh, have sort of come to life again. Um, but uh, one of the things that, that we try to address is, is the comfort uh, that comes from the fact that all of the, you know, 1,300 Jews that were killed, murdered, um, did it because they were killed because they were Jews, whether they were, it was a, a, a hero's death, like, um, like a Yosef Gedalia, Hashem Komdomo and Elchanan Kamensen, the guys who just got in their cars and responded and, and, or it was, you know, the, the party goers who were shot in the back trying to run for their lives. They were all killed because they're Jews. And, uh, as Chazal tell us, that anyone who was killed, like the Haruge Lud, their their place is in the highest. Just Tachas Kisei Akabo, their 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 place in Shemayim is in the highest place. So that that has been a source of comfort for for us on on some level. Um, that when you take into perspective is, you know, that there are two worlds. Um, that we can we can sort of deal. We we, we know that that every single one of these kedoshim are in a better place. Of course, the 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 the, the pain and the uh, of those that are here is, is great. And, and, and the tears continue to flow. But, uh, I think that's, 
that's an area that we feel we have a little confidence in, in terms of that and what, what we believe in terms of uh, their place in Shamayim. Um, uh, and I think that's, that's really the areas that, that we can address the, the, like the like Greg said, we have no idea why these things happen. We don't understand how Kaddish plan, but that's when Amuna really kicks in. Amuna kicks in when, when there are difficult questions, when there are questions, it's easy to have Amuna when everything's going wonderful and, and to believe in God when, but when things aren't going our way and it seems like it's not the plan, um, that's where faith comes in and, and that's where we're, we have to dig deep and um, and believe in the in the in the larger story, larger perspective uh, that Kaddish Baruch is, is running this world, despite despite what's going on. Thank you for sharing. I'm curious. You know, one one thing we've really been talking a lot about parenting in terms of how we are helping our children, how we are helping others during this time. But how, as a parent, are you helping yourself? Meaning, how do you take care of yourselves to be able to be a good parent during this time? Both Physically and emotionally, meaning how do you, how are you taking care of those needs? I guess we'll start with, uh, with Rev. Lewis since we just, uh, heard from both Rev. Osher and Berg. I guess we'll, we'll find out the answer. Um, no, Mir Sashem, it should be soon when things come down and we have a moment to, uh, to step back and reflect about whether, uh, you know, going, going full speed and, and giving 100%, uh, both to, uh, to the family, to the children, to the, to the yeshiva, to the community, to the, uh, to the media community that we live in, to the community uh, of, uh, of Am Yisrael uh, at large, as, as Rabbi Berg said. Uh, a lot of that uh, being proactive and going on the offensive allows, at least for me, allows us to, uh, to not necessarily process a need uh, right now to, you know, do I, do, I have a, do I have a personal need? There's just so much, uh, there's so much uh, going on and there's so much to do uh, that, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm sure that Akash Baruch is giving all of us uh, you know, tremendous doses of Siat Dishmaya to be able to be pulling the hours uh, that uh, that we're pulling, and and hopefully to putting uh, words of Chachma in our in our mouths uh, as we as we deal with all the various people that we spoke about, and and especially as we deal with the Talmidim. Uh, so uh, it could be, uh, it could be that at some point, uh, uh, I hope not, Hashem Shalom continue giving all of us strength, but uh, it could be that we're going to crash. Uh, but I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of just view it right now as, uh, as, uh, as, as we, we're a people that, that, uh, that has uh, people that need uh, whatever contribution that we could give. Hopefully I'm doing my small part. Uh, hopefully I'm, I'm doing as much as I possibly can. And, uh, you know, really the focus I think is more on that than it is necessarily to, uh, you know, I guess what it sounds like a little bit of what you're asking about self-care. Um, uh, you know, I should continue uh, helping us be uh, be healthy, right. and uh, and uh, and maybe uh, you know the diet uh, the diet will have to wait until uh, until uh, after until uh, after there's a call for a ceasefire. Uh, I look forward to uh, to getting approval from that from everybody else who's on this panel as we've all shared, uh, you know, in those in those battles, but. Um, uh, but there's there's a tremendous amount of immediate need, and my my, my focus I think right now is more uh, is more on that. And I I, uh, I I gain strength, you know, when when you get the nod from a child, when you get the nod from a Talmud, a thank you very much. Like, okay, wait a second, that made a difference. Uh, you know that that uh, maybe selfishly, uh, but that feeling uh, that feeling propels the strength for the next uh, for the next little bit. Berg, that you mentioned before that there are times when you feel 
just depleted and feel like, you know, how do you give over? So how, how are you restoring your strength in order to continue to give over? Actually liked Rabbi Leibowitz's answer very much. Um, I think it would be dishonest of me to say that I'm engaged in the best self-care right now. Um, but I can share with you something that I heard from Rav Weinberger many years ago. Um, Rav Weinberger told the story of uh, Rav Shail of Karistir, who when he was just a bacher, um, and he was the shamish to his own rabbi, to, to Rav Herschel. So Rav Herschel was watching uh, Shaila give out the bokalach from the bag. He was giving out the, the challah rolls to all the visitors that had come. And he was watching Shaila very intently. And one of the Hasidim asked the Rebbe, he said, why are you watching Shaila so carefully? And the, the Rebbe said, Shaila hasn't had bokalach in that bag for a very long time. He's reaching into a bag that has no bokalach left, and he's pulling out bokalach. And, you know, at first when, when Rav Weinberger was telling the story, so I'm a, I'm a fan of a good Hasidah Shemaisa, but, I, you know, I didn't, it didn't really touch me in a, uh, in a deep way. Because I didn't really know like what the Maifus was, like the big Maifus that he was pulling out Bokalach. And, uh, and Rav Weinberger explained, so there are times in life where we have nothing left in the bag and we have to fill, figure out how to pull out those Bokalach anyway. And I think that that's very much my experience right now. Um, between Talmidim in Yeshiva, the Shurim that I'm privileged to deliver, um, and then my own family, I, I don't think that I'm engaged in any form of self-care right now. Um, and, you know, I wish that I could say, and I think this is probably the, the right thing to say, um, and it's probably the true thing of what I should do, you know, that if you don't take time to sharpen your own axe, then you're not going to do a good job cutting down the forest. Uh, right now, I think there are so many balls up in the air that uh, it, it'd be very difficult to let some of those balls drop. And I think that's okay and understandable. So I think the only thing that I can give myself right now is a little bit of compassion as I'm not necessarily doing what I, what I need to be doing. And I, I certainly look forward to joining Rabbi Leibowitz on our uh, post-war diet program. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we're all just doing our best and it's okay to have some compassion. Wait, 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 I, I have to run. I'll just tell you, I'm speaking, listening to Rabbi Berg. Yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing. Uh, that, uh, I had the, uh, the opportunity to go to Rabbi Olsen the other day. Uh, we had a little bit of a ride together to be Menachem over one of the families. Um, and uh, I think as as uh, cliche as it sounds, um, being here on this uh, Zoom with you, um, seeing you and uh, what uh, what you accomplished, you know, we know each other for a long time. I've seen you at a much younger stage. Uh, to see what you've uh, built yourself into and uh, uh, spending time with Rabbi Ocean and uh, Rabbi Berg. Maybe, maybe if we're gonna maybe if we're gonna go post war diets, maybe we should go full out. You know, while during the war, you know, maybe we should do self care tonight uh, in uh, Ramat Beit Shemesh. Uh, but um, uh, but, down, but being together as, again, as cliche as it sounds, being being together with the chevra, um, you know, even if it's going through shiva call, even if it's talking about difficult things, um, but uh, but knowing that uh, that we have, um, uh, you know, that we're, I feel so close to Rabbi Berg, knowing that uh, you know, seeing his face, you know, even if I haven't spoken to him all week about this particularly, uh, but that um, you know that 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 chevra as part of the office of Am Yisrael, uh, you know, maybe that that's really also. Uh, what gives me what gives me a lot of strength. So yeah, I'm sorry that I have to run. Thank you so uh, much. But, Thank uh, you for your time and uh, uh, call time. me Shoshi with Sarkey Tibra Shalim Saro. Rabbi Leibowitz, Rabbi Menchel said that Jen Olive is sponsoring Chulet tonight and the Kiryah for all of us. So I'm looking forward. Ten thirty tonight, eleven o'clock at night. We're gonna okay. go we'll go, go up before we go down. <laughs>
Well, then, then I really hope that my wife is not listening to this. <laughs> That's Lacha. Thank you, Amen. Uh, Ocean, if you can share, you know, how what, during, especially, I feel like not that it's not to put, you know, the, 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 the spiritual front lines lesser, but there's, there's, there's a higher intensity when you, when you yourself are dealing with your children are on the front lines in a, in a physical way. And, uh, you know, I feel like it in a way maybe requires even more self-care or self-awareness at this time. What, what, you um, know, what so do you, I agree, agree you with the with other Rebbeim, uh, it, it's, it's a hard time to, hard time to exercise, hard time to eat right. Um, even though we are reminded, and my wife reminds me that we have to take care of ourselves. Um, um, I'm like in the, I haven't shaved since it's playoff time, you know, in that sense. And even though my wife tells me like, when are you going to shave already? Um, but, uh, I think we're, we're, we're on an OU sponsored podcast and I, we, we, uh, I, I always encourage our students when they go back to the States to get involved in giving, in giving, whether it being an NCSY advisor or any other kind of capacity where they're, they're the ones who have to provide for others. And I, and I find that it gives them great strength because people are looking up to them and say, okay, you, you know, I, I have to look up to you to provide me with physic. So that then forces them to be people with physic, with, with, with strength. Um, so I think in that, in that sense, like, because, you know, we are involved with the yeshiva and we, we have to provide for our students. So because, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to encourage them to, to stay in Eretz Israel and, and what they're doing is so, is so important and, and what, a, what an amazing experience of growth they're having now, um, because of what's going on around. Um, so then that, that's, I guess, gives, gives us a little bit more strength. Because we have to be the ones to provide for others. Same thing, of, of course, in the home. Um, you know, if, if I'm going to be encouraging my, my, my kids, so I have to be strong myself. Um, but, you know, when, when we have, when the door is closed and, and, you know, just my wife and I, and it's, it's different. It's different. You know, the, 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 you know, what we'll share with each other, it may be a little bit different than what we're saying with our kids or our students, you know, um, but, uh, again, this is part of the psychology of war. You know, you have to, uh, uh, you know, Lahavdil, a, a general or a, or, a, or a, a an officer has to be a source of strength. Even if he, if he, even if he's out, like, like Rabbi Berg said, you know, the, the no more book is left. You gotta, you gotta still provide. Um, and I'd like to get one of your bulkas, Rabbi Berg, or your daughters, one of them. We, we, we have no food left in our house either. Everything we, Everything in our house has been given out to, to everyone else. So send some bulkas our way also. Um, uh, so yeah, you have to, you have to just find strength. I mean, li- literally what, what Rabbi Berg described, they like, you know, the last week, certainly here, it's this, this week's calmed down a little bit, but like there was a call. Okay. Soldiers need, need, need the underwear and they need socks. They need the uh, toothbrushes. I come home at night from Shishiva and like, I don't have a toothbrush. I have no underwear left in my, in my drawer. So somehow we I still have to provide these things even when there's nothing left. Um, and that's, I guess that's the way we do it. But um, certainly the, on the yeah. physical side of things, um, yeah, whatever whatever weight I may have lost uh, over the summer, it's all come back and, and we're eating like, uh, 
not not healthily anymore. Um, that's, I guess, a little bit of our comfort. It provides a little source of comfort, even right. though we're going to pay for it. Um, uh, but it's something that we need to do. We need to do. You know, we need to exercise. We need to to go out in the morning and get get the endorphins to help us through the day. And we need to remind ourselves that we also have to take care of ourselves. Sure, sure. One of the things that you just mentioned, you know, in terms of like the difference of what you're dealing with either on, on a family level, but also on like the Talmidim and Yeshiva. So I'm curious when, you know, you're, the Talmidim and Yeshiva that you're, that you are, that you're parent, you're parenting in a way also, you're dealing with them in a way. So they, they grew up in America and they're so, and, and they're only there really for first this time during this year. So they're so not used to this. Like your children in a way, as you, I think each of you mentioned that like hearing the sirens in a way, we're a little bit used to it. I know that like my, my sister lives around my Bishemish as well. And she was saying like when the first siren went off, it was very scary. And at the same time, they were also like a little bit used to it. So they knew exactly what the protocol was and they all ran, ran into it. How, how are you helping, you know, your, the Talmidim that you are in a way also, in a way parenting them and helping them through the situation to who are not used to this and don't have the fortitude to be able to deal with it. How, how are you helping them? It's true. They, know, it, it, this, this is their first time for a lot of them. Um, and uh, I guess you, you sort of build, build those, those uh, resilient muscles by going through what they're going through. Um, I, we remind them every day that they're heroes. Um, we speak about superheroes when we speak about some of the people, you know, the fighters and, and the, the guys and soldiers and, you know, we, we speak about superheroes and heroes. Like our guys are heroes. They're not on the front lines. They're not risking their lives. They're in a safe place, um, you know, relatively to what else is going on in this country. But they're heroes. And um, we, we, we are trying to be very positive and to try to build them up. And they're, they're, they are um, becoming much more resilient. Um, and it's an amazing thing. Um, we had, uh, we took our students to, uh, one of the funerals, there's a lone soldier, uh, Netanel Young from England. Uh, we're not far from her hurt, so our yeshiva is, is, uh, is a f- seven-minute uh, drive to, to her Herzl. So we took a lot of guys to her Herzl, and it happened to be when we were in her Herzl, it was a siren that went off, and they weren't, they weren't protected, they weren't you know, undercover, and they had to get on the floor, like was described earlier, and just put their hands over their head. And it was a frightening experience, there's no question. They were, it was tough. And for a lot of them, it was a very uh, challenging experience. You know, as, as we, when we walked back to Yeshiva and we were talking about it, so we try, you know, you try to make a little, make a little bit light of the situation again, just to release the tension and to, to, to joke a little bit. But, but uh, one of the things I was telling is that, look, you know, you are building certain muscles that we don't have opportunity to, to address in normal life. Um, and, and you see it, you see the results. These guys are becoming more resilient every time there's a siren. Thank God it's been quiet relatively this, this past week, but you know, they're, they're much more calm. They, they walk down to the, to the bomb shelter with calm collected. No one's, no one's panicking. Um, and that's how you grow. Unfortunately, through these situations, this is how you grow. And, and I think they're, they're feeling that they're feeling those who, 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 Baruch Hashem, you know, the, Overwhelming majority of the guys are here in yeshiva. There are guys who have left, but the overwhelming guys that are here, they're feeling that the growth is exponential. It's something that they've already experienced. They haven't had a lot of time to learn so far. You know, it's only been a, m- a month and a half since they arrived here, but the growth that's happening because of what's going on in terms of their, the real core issues of tzaddik, bemenotoyichia. 
the, 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 the most es- essence, essential part of what Judaism is, they are wearing their Muna on their sleeve. They are living Emuna, Sadi, and that's what's making them into Sadiqim. They are living Emuna, and there's nothing like it. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, Halavai, we don't need we don't need these things in order to become that. But this is what we're experiencing, and this is, I think, what's giving them strength. Oh, that's very powerful. Very powerful. Everybody, how are you? How are you helping the Talmudin during this time? Yeah, first of all, I couldn't agree with Rabbi Olshin more. I think the boys that are here are growing in ways that they don't even understand yet. And I think, you know, we'll look back on this in 20 years and say, like, wow, that was such an incredible time. You know, you hear people who were here during the Gulf War uh, talk about what it was like to be here. Um, I think that our kids are going to be talking like that in 20 years from now. Um, you know, I think uh, we have mental health services as part of our yeshiva, and so uh, we have therapists on staff that are available to the boys, and some of the boys are choosing to use those services, and some of the boys are not. Um, but and that's okay. And of course, you know, I think like in all yeshivas, the rebbeim are there for the guys. The rebbeim are so dedicated in every yeshiva, really, to the boys and those types of conversations, helping them learn how to manage. Uh, for us. I think a, a large part, like Rabbi Olshan was saying, is the is the experiences that the boys have been able to have, and that helps them cope. Uh, so, for example, um, we adopted a Tzanchanin Kidur, a battalion of paratroopers um, that we, through various channels, discovered were missing basic, basic, basic necessities. And so we had a, a yeshiva campaign just to you know provide for them and whatever chesed projects we were going to have afterwards. Uh, the response was so beyond anything we could have imagined. Um, and it's a testament to Klal Yisrael and how amazing Klal Yisrael is right now. We had, within 20 minutes, we had raised $50,000. Within 45 minutes, we had raised $100,000. Um, I haven't checked what it is at this particular moment, but last I checked, it was just a shade under $300,000. So that's pretty incredible. Um I would love to see actually what it is right now. I don't want to like uh, stop talking in the middle, but um, it's been, it's been pretty incredible. I imagine it's over $300,000 at this point. Um, And then we had all the goods that were bought, brought down to the yeshiva. The boys packed everything up in boxes. And then the Tzanchanim actually came down to Mavaser to pick it up. Um, And so when the boys came out to greet the Tzanchanim as they came down with their truck, the dancing, the singing, uh, there was a kumsis with them. They were loading up the truck. So that feeling of participation was huge for the boys. Um, and since then, that was last week, this week, um, there were, there was a, a, again, a battalion of troops that were in, actually located in Mavasaret that they're getting breakfast and dinner, but they weren't getting lunch. And so we brought two shirim down and they made a barbecue for the, uh, for the chayalim. And that was very special. And then today the boys have, a whole bunch of kids that from down south that are displaced right now. And there was like a big soccer tournament between the kids who are younger than the guys in Yeshiva, but playing with them. And then Matzai Shabbos, we're going, have a Malava Malka with these families. And what I'm seeing, um, again, for sure, Rabbi Olshan said that the boys are building up incredible resilience and Baruch Hashem, it has been very quiet. Um, what I'm really seeing is that the boys are finding a way to connect to Am Yisrael in this time that I don't think they've ever had before in their life. And perhaps I hope they'll, they'll never have again. Certainly I hope they'll never have the need to connect to Am Yisrael like this again. Um, but you know, when we're, when these boys are in high school in America, so Eretz Yisrael can be somewhat academic. You know, it's like maybe a place I went to for the summer to some sort of program 
um, when you're living it and you're part of this, it's, it changes the way that you see Eretz Yisrael. It changes the way that you see Ham Yisrael. And there's a tremendous chinuch opportunity here, which is to tell these boys, these are not like your distant cousins across the sea. This is you. you know, this, is, this is you. They came across the border for you, and we're going to respond as one nation. So that, that I think, has been the, the most incredible thing, is seeing the boys, like, the pride that they have of being here. And, and um, again, I think what Rabbi Olshin said is a perfect line. I'd never heard it until this moment. They're superheroes and there's heroes. But I think every guy that stayed um, is a hero, and I think they're gaining twice as much as they're giving because they're they're growing in incredible ways. Wow, wow! As we wrap up, any any final message for for parents, both both in Israel and in in America, during this uh, challenging time of war, where we are all like unsure how to how to react and feeling tremendous feelings. Any, uh, any um, final message? I, I want to, I want to stay positive as much as I can. Um, but, uh, I think one of the messages that as educators here in Israel and, and people living here in Israel, I, I think, uh, again, the overwhelming majority of the parents and, and of our students are supportive and have kept their children here in Eretz Israel. Um, and, you know, are, are all in and it's, it's, it's a, it's tremendous. And they deserve all the credit in the world because it's not, it's not easy and it's not popular in certain, certain communities for sure. But I, I think we need to do, um, a, a better job, um, in terms of, of parents having the resilience and confidence and also living, living that amuna that, um, of choosing the right thing over the more convenient thing. Um, it's more convenient to have your kid home at this time. Um, but I, I believe strongly that the right thing is, is to have them here. Um, again, besides this, what they're with, as, as was described, the growth that's happening with the, for these students, all the chesed opportunities that they're involved in and, and really being part of the supply chain of providing for, for Eretz Yisrael, for Am Yisrael at a time when there's no one else to do it. So our students have to do it and they feel like they're really contributing. Um, but the, the, the chinuch aspect, the educational aspect of we raised our children to be, um, proud religious Zionists, to believe that the state of Israel is where, is where the Jewish people are meant to be and that this is something that's worth fighting for. The educational message of, of, of having your son here, daughter here at this time is, is there's no greater time to give that message. Um, and we need to build that resilience that even though it's not the easier choice, it's, it's not the more convenient choice, but it is the right choice. And if this is how we raise our kids till now, this is how we have to now live our lives now, um, in this way. And, and again, Yeshakar to all, all those parents who, who continue to support their kids from far, um, and giving them this opportunity to be part of something much greater than themselves. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Berg, yeah, any, I think I'll uh, just, uh, I'll just jump off that last point that Rabbi Olshan made. Um, supporting your children from afar is a really difficult thing to do. I think a lot of the guys here will tell you that, you know, especially, you know, in Yerushalayim, Mavasarat, Beit Shemesh, things are, are relatively calm. 
and, and that doesn't mean that things are okay and we're not suggesting that things are okay because things are not okay. But we are okay in this not okay situation. And sometimes I think that being farther away is more difficult, especially for those that are glued to the news. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that a person shouldn't be well-informed, uh, though I have my strong doubts about whether listening to the news, especially after yesterday, uh, keeps a person well-informed, especially when we have U.S. Congresswomen that continue to have, at this moment, up on their social media, posts about the destruction of a hospital from the IDF, which were not only wrong, it was the it was a Hamas rocket, but the hospital is intact. And there's, you know, demonstrable evidence that that's true. So when a person is watching the news, first of all, I would say, you know, take it with a very large grain of salt. And I, I think that when parents are are watching the news, you know, they would they would imagine their sons and daughters are are sort of sitting here in Yushalayim Mira Kodesh with you know bullets whizzing over their heads. And that's really not the case. And so what can happen sometimes is that because of our own anxieties as parents, which are understandable, um, we'll sort of like, not intentionally, but we could, we could, we could put that on our kids, you know, and, and 6,000 miles away, the, the guys are okay. And so what I would want to convey to parents is that to support our children as they're here uh, means to be able to hold your own stuff to the best of your ability. And to be able to ask with genuine curiosity, how are you? What's going on? And to be in communication with the yeshivas and the seminaries, if you feel like there's something that does need to be brought to our attention, I know that all the yeshivas and seminaries are excellent at working with the parents and and trying to be there as much as possible. I do think that sometimes you have like, you know, funny stories about parents that are reaching out um, to share some silly things. I remember when COVID hit, there was a parent who called me up. They were very upset because their son told them that they had a really delicious apple. And the mother inferred from that that the child had not had an apple all year to eat, and which, which wasn't true. The kid had apples all the time. He just happened to mention to his mother that he had a really delicious apple. And that meant that she had to call the yeshiva to tell the yeshiva, how come my son is not having more apples while the boys were in quarantine, while they were in bidud. So I, I do think that reaching out to the yeshivas and seminaries should be um, for important things, understanding that yeshivas and seminaries are holding a lot right now. But I think if parents can really be there and, and normalize whatever it is that their kids are going through and be able to provide them chizik and to be able, again, to echo those words, which I'm for sure, Rabbi Elshin, I'll try to say, but shame Omro, but I'm definitely going to rip them off, to let them know that what they're doing is heroic. There are superheroes on the front line, but they are heroes for being here and, and supporting Am Yisrael in Eretz Israel at this point. So I, I would just urge everyone to operate from a place of thoughtfulness rather than from fear and understanding that there's a difference between fear and danger. And if, if we thought, and I think, um, I think this is probably true of every yeshiva and every seminary, if we thought that being here put their children um, in an exceptional level of risk, we would close the yeshivas and seminaries. We're not looking to put people in a, in a situation of danger. The reason that none of the yeshivas and seminaries have closed is because we're operating according to the guidelines of this country, of, of the U.S. embassy. People are not being pulled back. It's not a, it's not a dangerous situation per se. Uh, of course, things are highly escalated right now, but within the safe confines of our yeshivas and seminaries, following the protocols that the yeshivas and seminaries have, we're doing our best to navigate. And I think the support from the parents 
um, to the kids is huge. I would also only add, and I, I Baruch Hashem, I'm sure we all should have received the same. I've received dozens and dozens and dozens of thank you emails from parents. And uh, I, I just want to say to all of those parents, thank you for your support. Um, because we're working ridiculously hard here to provide for our children. And when I say our children, I mean we share them for the time that they're here. They're our children. They're your biological children. They're our children. Um, and we're working not just overtime. We're working overtime, shove overtime, shove overtime. And if you can, take a moment, even a three-sentence email, uh, to the administrators, to the rebbeim of your children, and to be able to say thank you so much for what you're doing. The chizik means a lot to us, uh, knowing that we're together on the same team. So that would be uh, my last words for Shaka. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you both. And I, I, I also think that what you, the message that you both shared is also relevant, even for parents who are not of, you know, that age, even for parents of younger children or, or older children, depend, no matter what age, that whatever, however you want, however, whatever your ideals are of raising your children, that shouldn't, we should ideally try to not let that go out the window during this time. And we should, you know, we should, we want to raise resilient children. We want to raise children who, who stand, you know, with what they're doing. And, uh, and I think that that's a very powerful message. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you both for your time. I, I, I know that I originally said 45 minutes were on for an hour and 20 minutes. And it's, uh, it's really, I know it's, you're already balancing so much. So to take the time out to, to, to give us the chizak and to give us the, the insight and to really being vulnerable and sharing in a real way about your experiences there um, is really, I mean, for me, this has been extremely powerful. I mean, listening to you here speak about, uh, about your situation, I, I, I was, you know, I was tearing up and I, I, it was, I can't even imagine having gone through it the way that you did. I mean, I, I've been in a fog ever, th- ever since the war has broken out and I feel like I can't even imagine Kava Homer, Shava Kava Homer the way that each of you are, are dealing with it. So thank you. Really, thank you for taking the time. And, uh, you. and a tremendous yes, call to you both. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Jews Next Door. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I'd love to hear your takeaways. Reach out to us. Reach out to me at yair at jenoff.org. Hi at jenoff.org. You can check us out on the website. You could leave a question there. We'd love to be in touch. Please be in touch. Check us out on Instagram at Parenting the Jews Next Door. Hit me up on Twitter at yair Manchel. And we got, we're on TikTok now too. We have some great content, a lot of really great insights into parenting, tips, parenting pointers, reaction videos, and quotes. We have a lot going on. We have a lot of articles. You want to check it out. Check it out at jenoff.org. You won't be sorry you did. And I look forward to hearing from you. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Looking forward to another great episode next week.